thank you for tuning in to episode 48. Today's topic is a little bit different as we're, while we're still talking about marketing, it's less about the strategies and tactics you can employ and more around the, the tech stacks you use. With so many options out there for pretty much anything you want to do in marketing, it can be a bit overwhelming finding the right tool or solution for your needs as a marketer, but also as your needs as a business as a whole. The pros include being able to do, yeah, I mean, pretty much whatever you want very easily without needing a large tech team to build it for you. But on the downside, you know, every plugin, every widget you add to your site is adding load after load. Um, and sometimes, you know, if, if you don't really pay attention, if you don't qualify these products uh, correctly, uh, there could be some very unintentional consequences involved. But before I go any further, I've got Derry Jones here with me, who's going to give the expert view on things. Hi, Derry. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Um, could you just introduce yourself? Give us a bit of your background and why you're doing what you do. Yeah, sure. Sure. Well, yeah. Uh, Derry Jones, I'm based down here in Canterbury and Kent. Bit of a grey day today. Didn't get the snow. Um, but not a lot of people know this, but the internet actually started in Canterbury in Kent. Not, not the global internet, which started in the States, but in terms of the UK, um, it wasn't London. It was down here, the University of Kent, 25, 30 years ago. Had some tech boffins. were dialing up America with modems. Remember those? And yeah. uh, that's the only way you could do that was to dial up America. And um, these guys got together, put a, a permanent connection into the States, and I joined them in, gosh, must have been the early 90s, three techies, and set up a business spin out from the university, the first internet service provider in the UK. That was even before Tim Berners-Lee, clever guy, invented the web protocol. Um, these guys were dialing the, the USA. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> I think I'd heard something about it starting in Canterbury, but not um, not much of the detail. Yes, that's that's why I'm down here. Um, I, uh, I came down to do that, help the university set up. And then since then, I've set up a couple of companies, sort of serial entrepreneur style, moved on. One was internet security testing. Again, back in the early days when lots of people were hooking up their companies without worrying about security. And then more recently, I'm in the sort of customer experience space. Um, Working with about fifty UK brands, we try to, um, you know, maximise the customer experience for our clients. Awesome. So, uh, what, what sort of things? Are there any particular areas you focus on? Yeah, customer experience is a is a big wide thing, isn't it? We so um, we work with about fifty brands from you know Fitflop, Mulberry, Coes, Ralph Lauren, small, large. Um, but uh, our niche really is that we're all trying to, particularly this year, trying to digitally transform and get online and do more on online, sell more, ramp it up in lockdown. Uh, but of course, every change we make, everything we do, has the risk of making customer experience worse in terms of things like speed, slowness, and in terms of things like you know the horrible technical glitches or user glitches uh, that that we all find out where you know weird things where you you click on add to basket and nothing happens, or you put something in the basket and then you can't check out with it because it says it can't deliver it weirdly um so yeah we're in that that space we're helping organizations not worry about you know we're changing stuff we're improving our online store uh we do, we want to make sure that no there's no slips in the technology in the bugs in the corners that upsets upsets our shoppers because it, you know only a few disgruntled shoppers obviously cause a lot of social media nuisance yeah definitely i um I was on one website yesterday, I think, actually. I was actually just testing it out for someone. And I noticed that if you, when you go to the cart, 
so no, if you go to the checkout page, which is kind of a, almost like a, you know, a separate secure section, if you then want to come back to the website to make a change or something, your cart emptied. Oh, that's nasty. Which is not not exactly the the best experience, you know. Obviously, luckily, I was testing and and I was only looking at one product at that point. But yeah, if you've if you've spent, you know, maybe an hour browsing, adding a few products to baskets, you know, really kind of picking the ones you want, and then suddenly it all goes because you wanted to to change something. Um, that's, yeah, that's yeah. there's all those kind of friction things that that's a really nasty one, isn't it? Um, but yeah, anything where you get to the basket and you can't finish, you can't check it out. Those are just, you know, tragic. I so said we had had some recently where exactly that it said you you know we can't deliver to your we can't deliver this product, and clearly you could, um, but there was some combination of postcodes or something. Sometimes it's not even the web guys who've got it wrong. It's not even the web platform. Sometimes it's a back end hook into some kind of warehouse or delivery partner that uh, can have a glitch. So. So in simple terms, if I'm in a if I'm doing my elevator pitch, I guess I'd say, you know, we aim to reduce friction online, friction for your online shoppers, but also friction between your tech teams and your marketing teams, um, that they've all got a common view of the truth and they're all confident that there isn't an increasing amount of glitches, slowness, nastiness uh, going on. Yeah, so that, that last bit is, um, I think, particularly interesting. You know, working working between tech teams and marketing teams. Obviously, tech tend to want to, well, in my experience, tech teams tend to want to build pretty much everything themselves. Yep. You you could put any requirement in and the tech team will say, okay, cool, we'll scope that out. We will get it in the backlog and we will look at building this for you. It can be a a referral program, a CRM platform, whatever. Someone will suggest they can build it. And obviously, the marketing team just wants something quick. We just want to get it in place. Um, and there are loads and loads of plugins and widgets that will generally do that for you. Mm, you know, yeah. a, a little bit of code, you know, and it's always pitched that way because the those tech companies are pitching to the marketers. So they will say, oh, it's a quick five-minute install. All you've yeah. got to do is add a bit of JavaScript and, and you're done. And so the marketers say, okay, well, that's that's super simple. So it'd be good to know your, your kind of views on, you know, what are the pros and cons of both methods? Um, you know, obviously building things and, and buying off the shelf, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've, you've nailed the issue on the head. There's, there's, there's often a surprising amount of, of friction between the tech teams and the marketing guys. I mean, sometimes it's because, you know, misconceptions, the marketing guys, you know, they know about the glitches. They know about when things break. So they kind of assume, gosh, our, our tech guy, well, you know, it's not very good, um, which is often not true at all. But um but there's a business logic to saying, let's just slap this up. It's a quick bit of code. It looks really quick and simple. Let's just do it. We don't need to have meetings with a tech team. Yeah, that's that's logical. But, of course, the danger is you um, you start building on top of, of a, a foundation in ways that weren't necessarily planned for. And, and while your tech team are playing with other plugins, playing with JavaScript, upgrading libraries, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of moving parts now on, on modern websites. They're no longer just a bit of HTML, a bit of CSS, you know, and you're off a few images. Now it's JavaScript on top of JavaScript, plugins on top of plugins. So there's a lot of scope for collision, really, between what you're doing with some simple marketing plugins um, and the other stuff going on with your tech teams. And the end result can be, you know, the law of unintended consequences 
um, you might be adding a better feature, a better, better search thing or, or what have you, better personalization thing, uh, but you can end up making the overall customer experience slower, error prone, and particularly nasty like the, the glitch you had where um, that might not have been affecting everybody or every product, but certain baskets would empty when you left the, uh, the checkout. So, um, so it's the tech glitches that you don't notice straight away, the nasty ones that you only noticed them, you know, a week later. And yeah. And I, and I think, you know, obviously every tool you add, there's the risk that it clashes with something else. Um, you know, so yeah, one of those tools might, might, might have a bug, might cause a problem. Um, but the ones, the ones where it's kind of a user facing problem, a lot of the time you, you can, you can fix those. You can work that out because you can see them. So as long as you're, you're kind of being responsible and uh, and checking your own website frequently. But those sort of errors should be picked up. Um, again, actually checking out another a website recently. At the bottom of the product page, they had a. Uh, it was like you might also like these products or or similar products we recommend that sort of thing. Yeah, but it didn't work. You if you click through those 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 products, uh, those products just didn't exist. Oh, nasty! Well, the link the link was broken, but you'd get a message saying, uh, "I think it was this product uh, isn't available," or something. But it was, you know, it, it was like a, an error page rather than getting to a product and seeing it's out of stock. Hmm. So there's obviously a problem there, and that they they were they must have been manually putting those in or something, and and those products had been removed. I, I don't know, but it's it's that sort of thing that can be picked up. But what I think internally people tend to miss is is site speed. Because when you're playing around with your website and you run it every day, I don't think you notice these very slow decreases in, in load times. Mm, yeah. Because you're you're not really thinking of it in that way. You're, you're not really paying attention to that. And then you you add all these uh, plugins and and extensions and things, and and your site speed slows right down. And that has a big impact on conversion and the customer experience as well. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, you know, the two big things we measure for our clients and the two big things we graph are the, the glitches and the, sp the speed. Uh, and they change in unpredictable ways. So parts of your site can stay fast and other parts slow down, depending on what, what you're doing. Or it overall slows down. And, yeah, when you're working on it on a good broadband, on a fast laptop, you know, you get one expense, but of course, a great chunk of your clients are using it on mobile devices, on flaky 3G, 4G, or whatever. Um, so it's too easy to assume it's okay. Um, that, that is a classic one. I think it's particularly people in the early stages of their kind of online experience. Retailers have only just gone online in the last couple of years, say. Uh, they, they're, they're learning as they go, and it's so easy. There's so many tempting plugins. <laughs> yeah, you can stick on, and you end up. Uh, you know, if you've got two marketing guys or a marketing guy and a merchandising, they can each put on their own set of plugins because one wants to track something and the other wants to track something else. And um, yeah, bloat, bloat can easily catch up with you, and then it becomes really quite hard to, to unravel it and, and wind it back to a nice fast experience. Yeah, yeah, especially as someone will always point to the stats and say, "But the plugin works." It's, yeah. it's doing its job. Yeah, um, yeah she's on, on the, the mobile speed issue. Um, yeah, obviously another thing is people are testing on their desktops in their offices. Oh, generally, yeah. well, not at the moment, we're all at home, but 
it's it's yeah, it's just really easy to kind of just accidentally test on those almost perfect conditions all the time uh-huh. and not really yeah. notice things. But then you pull your phone out. You know, my phone signal is not great in my flat, so it's a great opportunity for me to test on uh, test websites on you know pretty you know not great quality uh, signals. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, and and of course different. Yeah, a key thing for us is we 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 test twenty four by seven, and we test our system tests from Android and iOS browsers because again, they browsers are slightly different and they can respond speed wise slightly differently. But obviously, the big where we see the big bloat, that's that, that'll probably be slow on on uh, on most connections. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, are there any guess, like misconceptions around? Uh, I don't know using plugins and tools for marketers or depends whether you want a kind of a straightforward answer or, or a slightly maverick controversial answer um let's, let's go controversial that's <laughs> okay <laughs> um you know i i started my career off you know 30 years 30 years ago as an engineering guy i migrated to marketing did a diploma in my late 20s and so on and uh it's really interesting the tech space how it's almost as faddish as fashion there were trends in the tech space that i've got no logic you know why is yellow the season f- color for this season you know nobody knows and so in the tech space there's there's a lot of um a couple of years ago the technology was blockchain was being trumpeted everywhere that's going to change the world but a lot of venture capitalists lost lots of money because there aren't many applications for that technology but the one at the moment is of course machine learning or artificial intelligence or algorithms um so there's a lot of plugins you can get into your website now that talk up how ai they are how machine learning they are and you know, in reality, as an engineer, a lot of what he's doing, you could do, you could do with a little bit of spreadsheet skills. You know, you're, you're pulling out profiles. If the, if the customer's done that, and if they've done this, and if they've ever bought anything, do you know? So you're not really doing anything amazing with it. But but again, it's another excuse to slap another another plugin in your website. So we see people's um, yeah, you know, p- people who bought this also bought that kind of bars you know they get laser of those on top of each other or one at the top one at the bottom you know one's doing one kind of thing one's doing some other kind of thing um so yeah in my controversial mode i I take machine learning and ai with a little bit pinch of salt uh and and don't don't always believe the sales the sales pitch but uh you know it can work the the best thing about machine learning ai things is where you're trying to crunch your data and it's it's stuff that you just wouldn't do otherwise you know if you would never do it it's too big. It's too painful to do manually. Then machine learning tools are great for that. You can get 85% accuracy pretty quickly, and that's brilliant because it's better than nothing. But on your website where you do care about the long tail and you do care about every user and so on, then it, it can be much harder. So that's, that's my little gripe, blockchain, AI. There's a new thing now called AGI, Artificial General Intelligence. That really is AI that does what humans do, but... That's another hundred years away, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. I've, I've had a few conversations about AI recently um, on the podcast as well, and uh, yeah, the general consensus seems to be that at the moment it's it's really good at um, saving saving time for marketers and and taking care of some tasks that are maybe just quite admin heavy and, yep. and don't really need someone to be doing. Um, so if you can automate it with AI, that's great. Interestingly, on the the recommended products, um, I've got a friend who he, his his idea is that those are actually negative for the brand. What you should be saying is, if someone has 
performed a, a Google search or, or whatever, and they've ended up on your website and they found the product, that product should be doing everything in its power to convince you to add it to cart and, and complete the checkout. By adding those rec- other suggested products, you're kind of basically saying this product might not actually be that great. So just in case, check out this one instead. That's interesting. Psychology. Yeah. So uh, well, th- th- there's that aspect of psychology. And there's also the distraction element of, well, I'll go check this one out. And then on that page, there's also a recommendation. So I'll go check that one out. Mm. And then you could end up, you know, just looping around a website, uh, browsing you know, dozens of products, um, probably getting into products that you're not actually that interested in. <laughs> but because it's been suggested, you go, oh, I'll, I'll just take a look. I don't really want to buy it now. That's, that's not what I'm looking for, but I'll take a look because it looks interesting. And you could end up just distracting your customers. Yeah, no, that's yeah, there's, there's a lot of science about trying to make your funnel tight and shepherd people down to the end game. And you're right, that is a, a divergent thing to open up other products. Did did uh, are there any any solutions to that? Any other than not obviously not. Well, yeah, the solution is don't recommend products yeah. on, on product pages unless it's stuff like color changes, possibly different styles. I suppose if you had, I don't know, off the top of my head, um, sunglasses or something, and you could buy that. That's probably an awful example. Um, I don't know. Let's uh, computer th- memory or something. Yeah. You've got two 16 gigabyte or eight gigabyte memory options, but they're just different brands that is possibly a reason to allow it because someone might have a preference and there might be very small, small small differences which actually suit that person's requirements. Um, but even then, I, I feel like you should be tailoring the process to people getting there, to getting people there anyway. So you should have actually landed the person on the, on the right product in the first place. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the whole psychology user experience it's not it's not what my team do um but we see so many websites we we get a feel and and and, you know making stuff work i I hate the amazon kind of black user experience where they they trick you into to buying amazon prime because the other button's grayed out and and all that stuff there's there's an interesting conversation i had last week with you know you got you got the personalization uh plugins and players now where you can put up a different search results based on you know that that shop has passed and so on uh versus which has got kind of gdpr issues versus the ones like forget that personalization all we do is we'll just match you to other people so if you've searched for yellow dress the bar at the top will give you some other yellow dresses but some yellow trousers as well or um so it's it doesn't know who you are doesn't know what you've bought in the past no gdpr it's just what you're doing right now um and so that's it but again it's another marquee at the top you, you just slap it on top. You, you do some A/B testing with it. If if you get the uplift you get, you, you start paying the fee for it. Um, so so it's interesting. I'm not I'm not an expert on on all the latest shiniest plugins because you know we, we see see too many. And, but um, the psychology is interesting. Perhaps we should patent a new idea to have a button that says, "Is this product not quite what I want, or can I buy it? Yeah, you know, I can buy it now, or perhaps next to the perhaps next to the buy button." It says, not quite what I want. Click here. And then it gives you some choices. <laughs> there you go. If yeah. that takes off next year, we can claim credit for that. Interesting. Yeah. So I, uh, instead of just showing you some other products, 
actually having a button which says this isn't quite what i'm looking for can you show me some some suggestions yeah could, hey, could be interesting i've never i've never heard of this before i've never it's just but actually it's very powerful because firstly you count the clicks you can see people saying it's not quite what i want and that's really useful feedback isn't it well, people by then know who they are then you know exactly what they're looking at yeah it, it could work maybe i mean i suppose it could work with fashion it could probably work with anything but websites where those kind of quiz style funnels work really well where you can answer answer maybe answer a few questions right yeah and then you get shown a product and then you could say this isn't quite what i'm looking for and then maybe just edit a few criteria and then it just reloads you a new product so that could be uh yeah it could be quite interesting i mean we're straying into the whole search technology search user experience and and um I was buying, buying some new LED lamps for the house last week, trying to be more green, and, uh, you know, screw fix tool station, all these kind of guys. And some of them make it really easy to filter on your socket and stuff. But others, um, you can't filter it the way you want. And there's so much choice that you don't want 50 things to match. So it's really even simple search can be improved. But uh, um, anyway, that's, that's a little diversion onto Oh, brilliant idea for user experience. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that was a diversion away anyway. But <laughs> but no, it's a fair point about um, about uh, filters and things. They, they are really important. And oh, okay, it's not really so much on the plugin uh, conversation. But um, but yeah, it's important not only to have filters, but to get them right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was on, yeah, I had another example recently. I can't remember the website, but I wouldn't, probably shouldn't say it anyway. Uh they it felt like in the filters there was basically just a list of products so you weren't you weren't filtering at kind of category or or color or that sort of level it was it was almost like are you looking for this particular product exactly and you could filter for that and um it wasn't quite that detailed but there were just just loads and loads of filters, and it was it was just overwhelming. And you kind of looked at it and went, "Oh, it's just if yeah. I can't find what I'm looking for on on the on the listing, the the actual kind of category page, I'm, I'm not going to find it in the uh, in the in the filters either." I mean, you know, now we're talking about search. It, it is actually something in our when we're delivering our experiences, and we're about we're about you know our our system visits your website like a real user does what real customers does looks for things searches for things puts them in the basket etc takes them out moves around um but one of the common things we find are things like you do a search sub search and then you find that you know like 80 percent of your search combos have got no products underneath them so you you know you're too granular so a classic one when I was looking for these lamps, I was looking for, you know, how many watts is the bulb? And so the, the choice on the left had 5.8 watts, 6 watts, 6.2 watts. It's like, you know, can't you just put all those in one bucket for me? Because they look like the same to me. Um, yeah. Of course, that's a very nasty you know, user experience when you're, you, you use the sensible filters and then it says, oh, nothing matches. Oh, blimey. Well, really, a, a great way to filter that would be to have three or four pictures of what a room looks like lit up with those different lights. Well, oh, that's that's very uh, that's very very uh, eye eye orientated, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that tells you exactly. Because yeah, I don't know the difference between those either. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't have a clue. I'd be looking things up. I'd have to get you know the the manual out from when I bought my flat, try yeah. and find out what's going to be compatible. I, uh, oh, I'll probably start with the Google first, just to um, 
see if there's a default option. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I think yeah for something like that, a filter which actually just shows you the difference would be would be fantastic. I mean, sometimes those searches break. Like if it's if it's a closed store and it's the end of the season, there aren't many sizes or colours left. So you click, you know, click on blue in size fourteen. Oh, out of stock. Okay, click on click on green in size fourteen. No, out of stock. And that that could be really frustrating. We we uncover that. People are often surprised what what a large percentage of their combinations lead to nowhere. Yeah, my son had an interesting one. He's he's just gone. He was with us for a month around lockdown, around Christmas, just gone back to his flat in London and wants a wardrobe to fit by the chimney. And buying a, a wardrobe by the width is, is really quite tricky. There's a niche there. So there's, a, there's a business to be had there. You go to Ikea and you say, okay, yeah, 80 to centi- eighty to, to 100 centimetres wide. And you click on it and all the wardrobes are 79 or sorry, they're all 82 wide for some yeah. reason. There's nothing, there's nothing at a metre or just under it. So it's really unhelpful. You think I'm going to get a range. And you scroll down, and it's like they're all eighty-two. They're all eighty-two here. Why don't they just say eighty-two is is, yeah. is the size? Um, so that again is that's IKEA. That's a big a big brand. I mean, they they obviously sell a lot of stuff. Um, so. Yeah, I was actually um, I don't want to go into this too much because I could ramp for a bit. But I, I was trying to buy a, a bookshelf, uh, like a you know standing bookshelf, um, the ladder style. If you know, if you know that mm, sort of yeah. thing. Um, I finally found one that fits the exact space that I need it to. I've got quite a quite a specific width that I've got got to work with. Finally found the one I wanted. It's out of stock. Uh, dropped my email in to be notified of when it's in stock. Um, during the out of stock period, it went into sale, th- despite not being available and you can't buy it. Um, then they sent out an out of stock notification to uh, over 1,200 people because I asked, I found that out through customer service, <laughs> but they only had three units. They'd only ordered three units in. Um, so I, oh. I missed out I missed out on it within, you know, I, I must have been on there pretty quickly. You know, when I look, I look back at the time I got the email, I, I must have got on there pretty soon after that email came in oh. and I'd still missed out. Um, but the other one that's annoying me is uh, a property. I'm, I'm searching for a property at the moment. And I'm I'm trying to filter for detached houses only. Yeah. And for some reason, you still get loads of uh, semi-detached and even terrace houses. I d- that 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 is. I don't understand. Like that the, is broken. That you is, see the first broken, you see the it? first pictures, but they all say detached. So I, I don't think it's the really the fault of the website exactly. I think it's because it's user generated content because all the estate agents put them up. Right. So there must be something they're doing. I imagine some of them are just hitting detached as well because they know they're going to get more eyes on it. Yeah, that's 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 black marketing again, isn't it? Black yeah, actually, I suppose they could be dark arts. do that to get more views on it, and then they can say we've got loads of views but no inquiries. Therefore, you need to drop the price. Yeah, or and yeah, try, or and, and then a lower price helps them get the sale quicker. But that's me being very very pessimistic and. <laughs> I can see you're a maverick, cynical thinker like myself. I mean, the other trick is the old recruitment agency trick, isn't it? They put up an advert to get candidates that they haven't got a job for, or they, or they, or they contra- contact you at business saying, "Oh, I've got these three fantastic CVs. Have a look." And actually, none of them match anybody on their database, but they spray it out to a thousand people and see who contacts them. Um, so these guys perhaps are saying, "Hey, it doesn't matter. Just slap an advert up. People will come to our site." 
see that it's not what they want, and then they'll look. You know, once we've got them onto our side, they'll look around. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, but that's in terms of search, that's just plain nasty. There's some interesting technology that affects speed. I mean, search is one of the things that affects your site speed more than anything. It's, it's the easiest place. You know, the search and the checkout are the two places where you can really have slower pages than the rest, um, even, though, even though it's all on the same technology platform, so to speak. Uh, so there's some interesting interesting plug-in people now, some coming out, some existing where, you know, they take the whole search thing away from you. Um, so they have access to your product database and they then do the, they, they drop the search into your pages for you. So it's all in the cloud, software as a service kind of thing. But of course, again, the way you integrate that with your JavaScript and plugins, you can you can lose a lot of the benefit of that and make it worse if you're not careful. Um, but but tragically, yeah, I don't know how people, yeah, detached, non-detached. That's just that's just really hurting. Yeah, yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of site speed and things, uh, we should probably get back on track. Yeah, <laughs> a little okay, bit. Cool. Um, what uh, are there any other kind of mistakes? companies make when when implementing new marketing tech you know i guess we've, we've mentioned just i guess adding plugin after plugin yeah um but is there any other big big or really common mistakes pop up uh big or common i mean going to the highest level i think that the biggest problem is it's just a classic teamwork thing that you just you know marketing guys hey marketing guys you know read my lips we just we have to talk to, to the tech teams more often uh we just have to bring them in we have to tell them what we're planning before we do the mail shot to 1200 people uh, with three three offers we have to let them know too often we hear you know like uh, an email goes out to the whole database huge number of people on the website struggles and it's like it doesn't serve anybody just makes shoppers miffed so i think it's a high level communication one you know marketing guys get talk to your tech guy tech teams more often regularly um involve them you know talk about what what you're trying to do listen listen to them um it's it's kind of obvious really isn't it but so so often it doesn't um it doesn't happen but uh as you start off at the beginning of the conversation sometimes the tech guys can be a bit annoying i used to be a tech guy so i can say this you know say oh yeah we'll, we'll build that we'll build it from scratch that way it'll be bulletproof it'll be our stuff it'll be easier to work on when we're finished and of course if you build something for scratch it takes uh takes a lot longer so well, uh well it takes longer and and you've then got to maintain it and improve it and when when the next you know if you build your own referral program uh, as soon as customer behavior with referrals changes you've got to redevelop your platform yeah uh, it, instead yeah. you could be paying maybe a few hundred quid a, a month uh, to another company who will be doing all that for you. Outsource outsource the stuff you can't be good at yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But again, that feeds back into the multiple plugins danger that you outsource quite a lot of pieces. And then those pieces are being changed by each supplier to their own clock, their own pulse. They're updating JavaScript libraries without asking your permission. You've got no idea. And suddenly an interplay between two of those tools can can slow things down, break the search, etc. Um, so it's, it's great to outsource the stuff you can't be good at yourself, but it does in- increase the risk. And again, that's why talking to your tech team so they know every plugin you've got and when you're bringing it in and why um, to solve it. Because the, you know, the, the worst thing about 
the worst thing that happens and it really pisses tech guys off and it, it makes problems hard to solve is when you get these sporadic problems that doesn't affect everybody but you start to get comments and complaints you know like the one you had uh, or whatever's like you know this is happening and it shouldn't um so if you haven't got a nice reproduce what the tech guys want is a reproducible problem if yep. you do a and then b and then click on c you see the problem if it's not that, if it's, well, it's happened sometimes, but I just tried to buy a pair of shoes and it worked fine for me. That really hurts the tech guys because they've got nothing to build on. And you can go for weeks knowing you've got, you know, glitches going on, but not being able to nail it down. You know, software is just complex. Software is complicated. And, and when we keep changing it, um, we just introduce bugs. There was a really famous one a couple of years ago where, uh, you know, we all use open source libraries in our websites now. I think it was I think it was one on the node on the node platform that uh, lots of websites were using and the guy who put it up on the node's central repository just took it down it just disappeared so all these websites would update every week and say yeah is there an update I'll update they did that and they had no nothing to grab and they failed <laughs> so hundreds of you know, hundreds and hundreds of websites failed um, nothing that that you had done or your techies had done but just because this library in this case it disappeared um so yeah just simple message talk to your tech team and uh yeah agree some agree some and then the second thing and the harder thing really more specific than that general advice is start to agree some performance metrics you know what is fast enough on your site what is a fast enough search result what is a fast enough checkout journey you know those three clicks through through the checkout stages or whatever what's what's fast enough um so that becomes your benchmark, and then ideally measure that. So that as as people are changing things, you've got a twenty four seven metric on that, so you're not accidentally getting slow and slow until it until it hurts. Um, so yeah, two two sides to that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, I mean, I, I've 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 said it, yeah, for for years now. Just generally, it's not even just marketing and, and tech, but all departments need to be talking uh, to each other a lot more. Um, you need to know what's going on, what what each of you are planning and stuff, because yeah, you'll you'll come across some of these problems and and be able to fix them before they actually become uh, big problems. Exactly. Yeah. Um, is there any other kind of part of the process of deciding on new tech or qualifying new tech that that you think companies need to be be aware of, be thinking of? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Uh... It's there's the normal project planning thing of checking out a new bit of tech. What are the features? What are the benefits? Um, often, often, you know, people can move from one one bit of tech to a new bit of tech because of the benefits, but then realize there were some drawbacks in other places that they hadn't realized. So sometimes you two steps forward, one steps back. I guess you know, coming from a, a testing company where we're all about evidence and proof and does it work? You know, do what the customer does to find out is our mantra so i guess um we'd say it's about testing and the, and the testing testing as an in discipline has been around for a long long time decades and decades and you know one of the mantras is test early it's much better to find things early than later so yeah if you if you even if it's a very simple plug-in and it's it's one of those ones you think is only a, this little thing you know get it up on a staging server get it up on a, on a, a realistic environment run it test it um, and see what difference it makes to page speed, and, and you know, run some tests against some some classic searches and unusual searches, and just make sure uh, 
because it's just way way easier to find out there than to find it live. Having said that, our approach is we test. You know, we always test the live environment twenty four by seven because that's at the end of the day, that is your only truth. Yeah. Uh, on a, on any staging environment or test environment or whatever you've got, it, that is not reality because it's only when you plug it out on the internet with all say all the other things going on your website and all the all the things they're doing out to your SaaS providers. That's the only thing that clients see. Um, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. for a lot of, for our bigger clients, you know, they've got the budget, so we have a whole bunch of journeys running. 20, you know, 24 by 7 on the live site and those same journeys running 24 by 7 on their internal staging environment. So, you know, clients like Dixon's where you've got big box delivery, freezers and, and washing machines, and you've got small box delivery, you know, um, you know, TVs and mobile phones. Um, you know, we've got journeys measuring all those and the different click and collect versus uh, delivery options. And uh, that way they get much earlier, much earlier warning of stuff. Uh, but even so, you can't test everything and stuff gets through to live and we pick it up, pick it there in the live site. Um, so, yeah, simple, simple standard one that all testing companies would say, test test early. Um, just saves a lot of time and a lot of friction for your users. Yeah, I think it's important what, what you just mentioned about, you know, there are always, always errors, always mistakes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you can get, you know, take a lot of precautions to make sure you've done it properly and you've tested it, you know, thoroughly. Um, mm. But yeah, th- these little things are always going to pop up. There'll always be a little edge case that someone notices either yep. internally or externally, which becomes feedback for the business. And, uh, and it's yep. important not just to, to not panic over that as well. It's very easy to, you know, especially if, if someone contacts customer service and, complains about a little error uh, and they yeah. push it to tech and say you know this customer like really unhappy this happened blah 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 and then you kind of find out that it happened because they'd accessed i don't know like a five ten year old version of internet explorer on their phone uh, <laughs> yeah. you know in in the middle of nowhere as well so their signal was yeah. bad you know and you get these little edge cases which just yeah you I mean, maybe don't ignore because that might mean just go and quickly explore what sort of browsers people are using and see if you do have traffic, uh, a reasonable amount of traffic on one that you're that you're maybe not thinking of too much. But but yeah, you don't need to um, don't need to worry too much. It's a, it, it's a really important point. Normally, we would say the customer is king, and what the customers tell you is is gold dust. Uh, but in this space of glitches and slowness, it of, it often isn't because. Often they don't tell you the, the reproducible path. I did this, then I did this, then I did this. So, so the techies can't even make it fail when they try to. But also, like you're saying, they've got a unique setup, a unique antivirus combination on their PC, or a unique version of Android that's half broken. Or um, so it's often not 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 your website at all. So again, our approach where we're measuring 24/7 from our controlled environments spread around the world. Uh, then you've got a reproducible issue. You know, if it changes, we see it changing, and it's, it's you know we can we can tell you it's changed. Did you do a release yesterday? Because it's changed, um, and you're not just responding to a random a, a random. I had a problem. Um, so yeah, it's it's all about realism testing. Again, a lot of companies, you know, you can do too much testing, particularly manual testing. That's so painful. Yeah. You know, on a, on a, on this kind of mobile, that kind of mobile, and on this browser, that browser. 
have people probably outsourced overseas or whatever, but uh, it's just it's not an effective way of, of testing. Um, so it's the right sort of testing yeah, is what you want. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, do you think there are any trends coming up in the way on maybe not trends coming up but how do you see this developing over the next few years in in how companies are going to going to look at this process of um assessing what new tech to bring in but also i guess the the current tech and and what needs to what needs to stay what needs to go it's yeah it's interesting none of us can predict the future but we all we all do our best um I mean, we we have a you know a lot of clients who are you know, SMEs up, so we see we see some of the big e-commerce platforms, the demand and hybrid type things that are now part of Salesforce or SAP and so on. We see you know the big commerce and the commerce tools coming in the middle. Um, we see the shop you know people migrating from shop you know from homegrown stuff on on WooCommerce or homegrown things that are a bit flaky to Shopify, and then outgoing Shopify, which doesn't have great search functionality actually anyway um so you've seen you soon find that limiting so there's a kind of range depending on how big you are and your turnover how how mature you are in your process as to what kind of technology you have but the but the, but the more you do and let's face it we're all going to be doing more online than we were before in this post-covid world you know the more that you do the more you you do want to keep under your control so you can so you can tune it and change it and make it yeah, at the end of the day, the last battleground online is the customer experience. It's pretty hard to have unique products to sell now. It's pretty hard to have unique services to sell. But if you can have really great online user experience, that becomes an edge. Um, so, so you do need a quite a bit of technical control for that. Um, so you can do clever things like your out of stock situation that was so badly handled that you mentioned. Yeah, you know, so you can do more clever things around out of stock and, and keeping in contact with people uh, and so on. Um, so it's just depends where you are and w- what stage you are in that process from, from WooCommerce all the way up to, you know, via Magenta 2 and Shopify to the big, the big platforms, which are being pushed down by the big commerces and the cost tools who are trying to be all things to all men as well. Um, but at the end of the day, you've, you've, you've got to talk to your, to your tech teams and plan it out. Uh, avoid the knee-jerk reaction. Avoid the. I tell you. I tell you. Here's another one of my pet whinges. Actually, you know, avoid the phrase. Well, Amazon do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, Amazon are a trillion-dollar company. You know, it's, it's just not worth benchmarking yourself with Amazon. Actually, Amazon's user experience is often pretty poor in terms of usability, anyway. And you can beat it with a nice niche brand site. Yeah. But yeah. Avoid that thing that this giant company does it. So we better copy that. You know, that's just. Or worse, our competitor does it, so we need to do that. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's also about it. It's a little bit better than comparing yourself to Amazon, but because at least they're in the same kind of space to you. But again, the, yeah, you're right. The copying, the me too thing. Yeah, I mean the, the reason I say worse is because I, I think it can be quite. It can easily become quite obsessive. So you see your competitor doing something, and you think, right, they're doing it, so we need to get on this as well. Hmm. And it very quickly becomes, you know, all you're doing is chasing them. Yeah, and, and not uh, not innovating yourself. You're absolutely right. You've got to focus on your customers. What are they getting? Forget forget what the competition are giving. What are your customers getting? I mean, yeah. we, you're right. We do see sometimes see that with some clients. You know, we're measuring the customer experience of shopping journeys on on them, and we're also measuring the shopping experience on journeys on their competitors. 
and sometimes you know they, they notice more what's changing on their competitors websites than on their own um when it's really they should just get on with making their website the best and uh avoid obsessive comparisons yeah yeah exactly exactly in fact it's a it's a it's a psychological principle that's out there, isn't it? In the world in the in the world of well-being, isn't it? Don't compare yourself to other people. Compare yourself to who you were a year ago. Yeah. So don't don't compare your website to the competition. Compare your website to where you were a year ago. Has it moved on? Is it faster? Is it better? Is the search better? Yeah, that's a good way of thinking. Um, you mentioned a kind of pet peeve around uh, that's how Amazon do it. Do you have any other kind of general pet peeves when it comes to marketing? Um, I mean, you know, I talked to a lot of marketers. I'm, I'm a bit out of the theory. I, you know, back when I did my Chartered Institute of Marketing diploma, it was all about the four Ps. Went out to six, seven Ps. It's all kind of uh, it's different. Um, There've been some interesting discussions I've seen online where you know what 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 now has become e-commerce and what's left for marketing. You know, is marketing just marketing communications? And actually. 99% of what we do in our e-commerce stores is is merchandising and so on. It's not really, you know, marketing has is, is lost its its role because you've got to be an expert in, in these other things. Um, you know, 100 years ago, we had handmade products online and then oh, so, oh, sorry, to, to buy and then factories came along and you could everybody could afford a set of cutlery or whatever. Then services, now we, then we bought instant coffee so we don't have to grind it ourselves and, yeah, now it's all about customer experience, and so the role of the role of marketing has become very it's become very numeric as well. Of course, you know you can count every customer, you can count every click. There's a lot of number crunching going on, so that's that's changed marketing. I guess the neat, I guess a whinge there, back to buy engineering hat. I guess would be that people often marketing guys are famous for misusing the numbers. It's easy to believe just because there there were some numbers that it must be true. So yeah, customer surveys. Be really, really careful the questions you ask when you do customer surveys. It's so easy to get stuff back that doesn't really statistically add up to much, or you've led them with the way you phrase the questions. Um, yep. Uh, yeah, definitely. I've um, been working on some surveys recently, and I've kind of looped in a, a friend who does a lot of market research. We're just just really, really carefully looking at these surveys because you get one chance, really. Yeah. If you yeah. You, you can't. You can't look at the data and go, this is rubbish. Let's tweak it and resend it because you won't get the response the second time. So mm. you, and, and as far as the customer's concerned, they, they gave you the right, well, not the right answer, but they gave you their opinion, their answer. What, why, why does there need to be another survey? So yeah, yeah. I agree with you there. Yeah. Um, and just finally then, before we, we finish, do you have a, a particular area of marketing that you feel is quite underrated? Probably not a very good answer, but I might say you know, avoid just looking at your average customer and your average stuff. You know, really pay attention to the, to your long tail and and the, you know the five percent at each end, not just the average. The average hides such a lot of stuff that to, you know really do take it. Look at your data in terms of the wider spread of products, wider spread of behaviours, uh, etc. Um, that's probably not a great answer, is it? No, it, make, it makes it makes sense. Uh, you get. You know, it's the problem with looking at uh, an average CPA, and then you, then you realise that your average CPA might be really high or higher because you've got some really terrible performing campaigns, <laughs> uh, and equally, it might be really low because you've got loads of really cheap 
customers coming through, signing up, but then they're not actually engaging properly. Yeah. And their lifetime value is low. And then even on lifetime value, if you're simply looking at an average, you might have a bunch of customers who are spending a hundred thousand a year with you and a bunch of customers spending a few hundred. Yeah. So your average order, your average lifetime value is now several thousand. And you think, well, this is brilliant. Now we can afford to spend two hundred pounds per acquisition because we know we'll earn that back. And actually, eighty percent of people you're acquiring are going to lose. You're going to lose money on with that. So yeah, it's it's definitely important to segment properly. Uh, make sure you really understand the the wider range of customers you have, yeah. um, and then and then understand how to how to target those groups um, and, and find them. So. So yeah, you made, yeah, a, you made a much better answer out of that than I did. Thank you. <laughs> you right. saved me. <laughs> I've uh, it, I've been talking a lot about this recently, so it's uh, it's kind of top of mind. Um, that's been really really helpful stuff. I think it's really important, yeah, that marketers understand you you can't just add plugin after plugin, um, and you know every every tool that you can come across. Uh, just because it fits in your budget and you think it's going to improve things. Um, if people want to find out more, how, how should they get in touch? What's, what's the um, best thing to do? Best bet for me is LinkedIn, uh, Derry Jones, D-E-R-I Jones. It's a pretty unusual uh, Welsh first name, Welsh second name. <laughs> so, yeah, there aren't many of us on LinkedIn, so I'm pretty easy to find. Derry Jones at Think Tribe. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Will. I've really enjoyed it. There's no doubt that you can grow your business very quickly by adding all kinds of plugins and widgets to your site, really. You know, as long as you've qualified each one properly, investigated how they work with other plugins, you should be all right. But it's very easy to keep adding and adding and either not getting the value out of them, potentially because of clashes, or worse, you know, getting no value from them, but leaving them in place anyway. So have a process in place for acquiring new tools. Uh, you really should even be testing them on a staging site first uh, and make sure you're keeping an eye on them. You know, it's uh, you never know how updates from third-party providers are going to affect your website or the other plugins on it. So keep an eye on things, remove anything you're not using, uh, consider building some of the tools that aren't so complex as well. If you'd like to learn more about how to set up your tech stack, get in touch with Derry on LinkedIn. Any other questions, uh, feedback, guest requests, do email me at will at customerswhoclick.com or tweet me at Will Lawrenson. Next up, I've got Tom Griffiths with me and we're going to be talking about how you can use online sentiment to give you business direction. But until then, keep those customers clicking. Mm-hmm.